0: Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice, whether you're just getting started or looking to grow. That's keepdreamingup.net.
1: On today's show... The Hornets get another win on the road in Orlando. We tell you all about it.
0: And we answer your listener questions about Billy Idol songs, plus give you a couple of NCAA players we are watching tonight and tomorrow.
1: We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On, Hornets.
0: You are Locked On... Locked On... Locked On, Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Thursday. The best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, BEAUtiful, uptown Charlotte. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Frame Warehouse. They have the guaranteed best price on your next framing project. Visit FrameWarehouse.net today to find one of their six locations in the Queen City. I'm Doug Branson, joined by a man who is the peanut butter to my jelly sandwich pregame routine, David Walker.
1: Wow. I didn't see that little <laughs> twist coming. But have have you heard about this, David? Have you read this? I was so excited to see that this is like a new thing, or not a new thing, but a a thing. The addiction in the NBA is the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches.
0: Yeah, coming to us from ESPN's Baxter Holmes, he profiles in a long profile, a lot of words to write about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but it is apparently an NBA player's secret addiction, a pregame routine amongst a lot of players, apparently started by Kevin Garnett while he was in Boston. Uh, It's a (laughs) superfood. (laughs) <laughs> How do you eat well, yours, David? What's your pregame PBJ routine?
1: You know, traditionally, I will go with uh, peanut butter and banana a lot more than I will go uh, peanut butter and jelly. But I am a crunchy man with, of course, strawberry jelly. Doug, talk to me about yours. And and I like I like wheat. I like uh, honey wheat bread.
0: So you're you are with Adam Silver then, the NBA commissioner, also saying that he likes the strawberry jam as opposed well, to the grape jelly the traditional i eat mine david ricky rubio style no jay
1: oh (laughs) that's a sick Uh, burn burn. so you just like the peanut butter huh just the straight peanut butter
0: yeah just just peanut butter for me i just like the protein i think jam belongs on a biscuit but my favorite way to eat peanut butter is all dried up and injected into a pretzel pouch
1: Oh, my God. Peanut butter okay, pretzels. Well,
0: that's the way to eat it, the snack food.
1: Mm. Peanut it's butter like it, it's like That
0: is a peanut butter sandwich. I mean, it's bread, it's peanut butter. Peanut butter
1: pretzels. Well, now we're just getting into, you know, what
0: Thick bread. Batum does not like this conversation. He's like, all right, wrap it up, <laughs> gentlemen. Time to talk some Hornets. All right, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf. Fantasy Sports, it's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. We have a fantastic show. We're going to recap this game against the Magic, the third straight win for the Charlotte Hornets here in a few moments. Plus, we have some players that we'll be watching uh, come tonight and tomorrow NCAA tournament getting uh, kicked back into gear. We'll give you a few players to watch for this upcoming draft. But let's begin in Orlando where the Hornets were looking to get their first season sweep of the Magic since the 1990-91 season, and they did, but it wasn't easy. Hornets win 109-102, a big fourth quarter for the Hornets, lifts the team 32 points to the Magic, Magic's 20. That basically covered up for a generally poor game on both ends uh, for the Hornets, in my opinion. What did you think, David.
1: Yeah, I thought the same thing. It wasn't really going that great. They were fighting back pretty much the whole game. Um, There was a stretch there. (laughs) There was a stretch there in, like, the third, fourth, early fourth quarter where there was a lot of shots going up on both sides, Doug, and a lot of rebounds to be had because not a lot of shots were going in. Um, But it felt like watching that game, I was like, well, you know, the Hornets are relatively fully healthy, um, and they're playing a team they should beat. They're not playing well at all. Uh, but they end up winning that game, and it's just like if they could have had a few more games like that at full strength, you feel like they could have snuck a few more wins in there and made this race a little bit closer. Not not to say they would have been like in the fifth seed or anything. Let's don't get carried away. I'm just saying at full strength, which is what we said all along, um, they would have been in a better position to challenge for a playoff spot.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I mean… Listen, that's the past. The past is the past, David. For sure, man. For um, sure. But Orlando's it, not very good. They're not very good, but they are healthier than the last time the Hornets played them, and I think that's important. Vucevic was big in this game. Uh, Alfred Payton is a lot more effective when he has both Vucevic and Fournier to toss the ball to. Had five assists in the game, uh, three of those to Vuce, I think, and two of those to Fournier. The Hornets' defense really struggled in this game, to uh, stop the Magic uh, from penetrating, and that led to a lot of kick-out threes for guys mm-hmm. like Terrence Ross. No, they did not leave Ooh. that man that open. Yeah, they did a lot. <laughs> so a lot. 14 40. made threes uh, for the, the Magic, and, and that was a, a lot. But then uh, the defense played a lot better in the fourth quarter, David. We know fourth-quarter defense has been an issue. They hold the Magic to 20 points on 31.8% shooting. And you got to hand it to the bench in this game once again, David, stepping up the starters. uh, Really, the the Magic starters outplayed the Hornets starters in this one. And, you know, the Magic play their starters a lot. Uh, But the bench comes in and plays really well and really was the deciding factor in this game.
1: Yeah, it was good to see Marco come out and have a big night. 20 points on five of nine shooting. An Italian Um. job! (laughs) <laughs> oh my god uh three <laughs> of five from three of five from deep Doug, and that was something we just have not seen a lot i mean he's been on a cold streak for as long as i can remember i mean for quite a quite some time you know he had a he started off the season really well um and then has just hit a lull so that was really good to see and of course frank hit some big shots i mean really some some big threes late uh to push this thing out and give the hornets the win which was great to see and Kemba, the little bounce back game for Kimba 22, seven and three, uh, eight of 21 shooting though. Um, so not, not ideal, but yeah, the bench was night. Nice. It was, was good. Uh, you want to talk about Jeremy Lamb at all?
0: Well, can I go back? Can, can I go back? You named a lot of players there. Let me go. Uh,
1: I went through, I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited about the game.
0: Got to talk about Marco for a second. 16 points in the second quarter, huge lift for the team. And then Frank Kaminsky was the huge lift in the fourth quarter. Uh, But back to Marco, got to the line again. I think that's been a big difference in his game at this point in the season from maybe when he was playing at his worst, is that he's been able to move. uh, Clifford mentioned moving without the basketball, but even when he gets the ball in his hands, he's been able to penetrate, get in uh, to the paint, and get fouled. And um, Frank Kaminsky scoring 11 points in the fourth quarter to help uh, lift the Hornets over the Wizards on Saturday. And then last night, he drops 13 points to put the Hornets' playoff hopes on his back. And just like Saturday, it came after he struggled to produce offense for the first three corners it's nice to see him sticking with things. Obviously, you want a little more consistency, but better to drop those in late than not mm-hmm. be able to hit shots in crunch time. David, I'm really excited to see what Frank Kaminsky looks like when he when he adds a little strength this offseason and starts to put it all together. Because we saw yeah. him really struggling late in games, and there was a lot of talk about him being hard on himself, about him taking himself out of games. And now you can see him struggling to begin a game, but he doesn't take himself out of the game. He sticks with it and provides a lift to the team late, and Clifford rewarded him last night by by leaving him in. I mean, left him in the game with Cody Zeller, with the starters, uh, to close out that game against the Magic. And look, if the Hornets somehow do pull off the miracle, if they do somehow do the improbable, you gotta look back at this game and go, Frank Kaminsky was a big part of getting them over the hump on a night where look, Kimba, you know, scored twenty plus in this game, but I think you can look at Kimba and Nick and say this was not their game. This was about the bench, <clears throat> this was about auxiliary players, and one of those, Frank Kaminsky, very important.
1: Doug, he's led the, the, the team in minutes the last two games, at least. Played thirty three minutes last An night, John Marvin, <clears throat> and uh played thirty six minutes the other night against Atlanta, so Definitely trusting him and definitely carrying over from that time spent as a starter, I think, which is good to see because you never know how guys are going to react when they go back to the bench um, and, and go into a little different role. So uh, all all very encouraging signs. Trust, for
0: trust, very important, David. It's very important in basketball. It's also very important when you get something framed. You got to trust the people that are framing your valuable artwork or your valuable uh, uh, pickup basketball championship jersey that you want framed and put in your man cave. Uh, And and you got to trust them. And that's why we use our friends at Frame Warehouse uh, because we're proud to partner with them They've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years. They have the guaranteed best price on every uh, every framing project. If you have a poster or a jersey or just a, a great piece of art that you need to get up on your wall, get redecorated for spring, don't wait. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed, sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom. They'll even cube up that signed football helmet you have laying around the house just in time for football season. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net today to find the one near you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and, of course, give them a Go Hornets, Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Okay, David, talk to me about Jeremy Lamb.
1: Well, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a frustrating night for Jeremy, I, I, I'm sure. Um, did not shoot the ball well. Um nope. Had some more plays where got up in the air. Wasn't quite sure what to do with it. Uh, that's become a, a bad trend as of late. And, you know, it was too for eight from the field. Did contribute eight rebounds. But, man, I just, I don't know. Um, I, it was one of those nights where I started to just think and see. These nights are happening too often for Jeremy Lamb, I think. Uh, for him to be a contributor off the bench, the scoring and the shooting, I feel like has got to be a little more consistent. And I'm just not seeing it, Doug. Yeah,
0: really struggled in this game, I thought. Made several defensive mistakes. Uh, let uh,
1: t- two. Yeah, not to mention the defense.
0: Yeah, two backdoor cuts that I can count. Um, about three or four head shakes from head coach Steve Clifford. And look, the big thing with Jeremy Lamb coming into this season was playing and sustaining play for 82 games for an entire season. That was the goal. And I just think that he's fallen short of that goal, unfortunately, and I think, yeah, he's going to have to take that into the offseason and see if he can get that worked out. But tough game for Jeremy Lamb. I thought Kimba struggled in this game, too, a little bit, at least in the first three. He's in that point of his career, I think. This is very encouraging to see, by the way. It's it's encouraging that Kimba struggled because he was able to put it together midway through the third and into the fourth. And what did he end up with, 22 in this game? Yeah. Um So... You know he's in that point of that of his career where he is a true star, where he can struggle for two and a half quarters and still have a great game. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of penetration from Alfred Payton, uh, but was able to uh, pull things out in the end. And the big takeaway for me: the Hornets will need to play a lot better early on if they want if they don't want to get their doors blown off by the Cavaliers who come to town on Friday. I mean, they've got <laughs> this is two oh straight God. games now, Atlanta and Orla- and, and Orlando where. Um, I don't think Coach called a timeout in this one, but he would have been well within his right to because they didn't get off to a good start again.
1: Yeah, I mean back to Kemba, he's still going to be the guy they go to no matter what oh, kind I, yeah. of night he's of having, course. right? Like to hit a big shot, and he had a couple close. He just looked. I mean, he was. I, I thought he was there, limping sure. at
0: one point. I don't. I don't know maybe if maybe he tweaked something. I mean, there was no injury mm-hmm. report after the game, but he just didn't look like for those first two and a half. Maybe he was frustrated uh, by something, but he just did not. That's all I'm saying. He just didn't look like yeah. himself. For the for the the Kimba Walker we've seen all season, but he was able to sort of dig it out, you know, on the road, um, and and that's a good thing to
1: see. Yeah, um, last couple of things for me on this one, Doug. MKG did play, uh, so that was good. Yeah, encouraging. Uh, Nine points, four rebounds. You know, an MKG game um, was out there though. That was the big thing, and then of course, you know, uh, Briante Weber, fifteen minutes. Brian Roberts, zero minutes. That 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 we can close the book on that. I think at this point.
0: Twiggy, our friend Twiggy on Twitter tweeting he that's that was difficult to say, but I managed it. <laughs> he's tiring to watch, never stops running. Briante Three. Weber. Even when he's not and we've said this before, even when he's not providing box score you know, numbers, when he's not providing a lot of points. He is providing intense defense and energy. In fact, that the first, like, impact play that he had, he didn't even get a a rebound for it inexplicably, but he taps the ball twice on what looked like, to me, two offensive rebounds, ball uh, falls to Cody, and they eventually score it. So, you know, he's – and I don't know, you know, we always – we talked a lot about uh, who had permission to go get offensive rebounds in in this squad because – they're, they're not, uh, you know, the Hornets are not focused on getting offensive rebounds, so not a lot of people have the green light. It's more about getting back on, on defense to avoid transition buckets. I don't know if Briante has the green light, but boy, he took it. <laughs> and uh, listen, if you make the play, hard to argue against it.
1: That's some of the things to think about when you're watching him, right, Doug? I mean, you're seeing some of these plays where maybe he should, or maybe you would want him to pull the reins a little bit, or you know what I mean? Like he's has got it's, he's one out of, there it's just like no, 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 yes, no, no, right. yes, right. So like, can you? That I think that bodes well for having an off season uh, with in summer league, you know, having a full training camp, being with Clifford and that staff and the team, uh, if all the way through into the next season. I think can only be good for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see his development. Now, mm-hmm. could I see the Hornets still going out and pursuing a another point guard? Absolutely. Well,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah. I mean I I still see Briante as as a big part of this franchise's future moving forward. Okay. The Hornets mm-hmm. are still pushing for the postseason. Oh, let me let me just say this. So the Hornets are we should update people on, you know, just where the Hornets sit. They are 32 and 39, so now seven games under 500, and let's see, the Bulls uh, whack the Pistons, so now they sit one loss behind both the Bulls and the Pistons. They are still in 11th place, um, but closing in on those teams. The Bucks get a win last night. I believe yeah. uh, the Heat did the Heat play last night? No, they played tonight they played against. Tonight. They played tonight against Toronto, so right. that could be a chance to get one back. But again, two games remaining against the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's. Um, I'm going to keep talking about that because I think it's key. Uh, let's well, see.
1: also Doug, the Pacers are right there with Milwaukee now. Um, that's 30, true. 36 and 35. And the Hawks so.
0: The Hawks are addicted to losing. I mean, what, the,
1: what in the, what, seriously, you look at that Hawks team at this point. I mean, you know, this is a team the Hornets just played. They are right in the smack dab in the middle of these standings. I mean, I, I air quotes comfortably in the playoffs, but it's just, it's, it's crazy to watch that team and, and think you're looking at what the, the sixth seed or the fifth seed. Apparently, David,
0: yeah. I'm getting word that you still have to have a good point guard to play well in the, mm. in the NBA. Schroeder mm. has, has just not been good enough, a, and yeah. then Delaney and Calderon behind him. Man. It's been a disaster. It's not even been Dwight Howard's fault. Uh, everyone is everyone's I mean, quick to blame Dwight Howard for coming into a team and you know uh, uh, destroying it or or you know making it play worse. But this has not been Howard's fault.
1: No, and without Millsap too, I don't think they've won without him. So uh, that's obviously a big piece. But um, yeah, that's not going well. I mean, you got Bud and you got um, Schroeder bumping heads or whatever, and yeah. whatever's going on. Listen, there. That 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 experiment is not working. Here's the
0: here's the reality. The Hornets still can only afford to lose, at maximum, three games. Yeah. Um, so that's tough. Uh, but, and really, to really solidify things, they really can only afford to lose two games. I, I'm sort of giving them uh, – they would have to have some help if they lost three games. They'd have to have a ton of help if they lost four games. Uh, but I think at four games, you 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 pretty much are yeah, out yeah. of it. But I could see them losing three and still missing uh, still being ninth place and getting knocked out by the Miami Heat—that would be just
1: come on. You know, you know it's coming. <laughs> just
0: torturing, uh, torturing us. But when I look at the Bucks' schedule, especially, I mean, I see a lot of oh, what did I, what did I text you? They've got us twice. They've got Atlanta. They've got Chicago. They've got Boston twice. They've got Oklahoma City. They've got the Pacers. So the Bucks are in a similar position. I mean, they've got to beat some of these uh, teams that are playing well in the Eastern Conference. And oh, by the way. The Celtics are only a game and a half out of first place. So again, not a guarantee that if the Hornets were to slide into that eighth position, that they would be playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I believe dropped another game. No, they're still. See, I keep wanting to give them a loss. Mm, No, it was Boston. Boston won last night. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, they gained a half game by getting a victory, Um, but they they are nipping at the Cavs. Heels right now, and the Hornets again still pushing for the postseason. There's no question about sure. that, and we want to have you prepared the rest of the way by checking in with some of our friends around the uh, Locked On Podcast Network. We call it "What's Happening Around the NBA." Today, we're heading to Milwaukee. The Hornets. You ever been to Milwaukee, David? Oh yes, oh I have. I went I once, it. and it was. Glo- I want to get back. It was glorious. Land of mm-hmm. land of beer and sausage. Jeez. So much cheese. Um, the Hornets still have two games remaining versus the Bucks. A chance to own a tiebreaker over one of these Eastern Conference bubble teams. This week, Locked On Bucks discussed one of the major aspects of the Bucks offense and why it scares the bejesus out of them as regular season defenses get tighter. Take a listen.
2: I guess one thing that always sort of scares me in the fourth quarter for the Bucks is that they they try to take advantage of those size mismatches for Giannis and, and Middleton. And and I think that makes a ton of sense. Like I, I think both of them are good posting up smaller guys, as I've said before. I think they both do a nice job either creating for themselves or creating for others. But in those situations, referees tend to swallow their whistles. And a lot of the times, smaller guys are, are going to get away with some stuff. And I, I think it, it's just interesting to me that I think that's their best option right now with Giannis and and with Chris in the post trying to take care take advantage of smaller guys. But at the same time, it's just such a a low efficiency formula uh, because you're probably going to get twos out of it. You're probably not going to get fouls called because no official is going to feel bad for these guards that are trying to guard a six eight guy and a seven footer. As sad as it is to say, like it's not a very efficient offense, but. Sadly, it's way more efficient than anything they were doing in clutch time uh, earlier in the year.
0: All right, again, that's Locked On Bucks podcast. Wonderful, uh, wonderful team over there with uh, Lob and the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, an aspect of the Bucks offense that may not pay dividends in the playoffs and. The Hornets got a good look at that, I think, last season, where they, you know, were very focused on getting Kimball Walker and Jeremy Lin open from beyond the arc, and Miami was able to make an adjustment in the playoffs and take that, you know, very dangerous aspect of the Hornets' offense throughout the entire regular season, just completely take it away in the postseason, and they had to rethink things, and that could be the case for Milwaukee as well.
1: Yeah, Yanni makes up for a lot of those uh, little, Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> a delight to watch, I mean, honestly. And I didn't think that was really going to work out this year. And it's interesting to see, like, um, uh, bu- 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 uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, is he going to be the Rookie of the Year, Doug? Brogdon.
0: Why not? I'm telling you, I think it would be a travesty at this point if he wasn't. I just A travesty, because, look, I just don't think... That our man and and look, you know how much I I love Joel Embiid and how much praise mm-hmm. I lopped on him at the early in the season, but that was early in the season, and it, he just hasn't happening. played enough, enough games. games. Yeah, not, not, not enough, enough games. games. People not were games. talking about it being okay when he first went out, and now that they've seen, okay. now not that okay. they yeah, now that they've seen the time pass, they go okay, yeah, that's not okay. Hey, let's get a couple of listener questions in here before we get out. Uh, Dave, first time emailing the show, I think for Dave, so welcome into the show, Dave. Dave. Uh, Yukon connection is the subject of this one. Love the pod. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I've For gotten Dave. to watch Kimba's continual improvement every year since 08 and 09 and really love to hear how much you guys in the local media and the Hornets TV crew ap- appreciate his work ethic, hoping he can have a positive influence on Jay Lamb's level of focus. He keeps showing flashes of potential, though uh, he may be trade bait at this point. Uh, would be great to have you profile some of the off-season workout regiments. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into that, Dave, for sure. And, you know, Kimbo is is a gym rat. I mean, is a guy that's constantly working on his game. Didn't get a lot of coverage this season about his off-season work. It, a lot of it went into uh you know last season and his jump at that point but he's made another significant leap i think uh in his game and his handle i think really uh, to me his oh, handle yeah. is so much better the the just there's no hesitation in his dribble moves any longer and he's been able to when you when you take that little bit of hesitation out you can use your god-given quickness which kemba has to move past defenders and he's been able to do that consistently this season
1: Uh, I mean, he's a full-blown star at this point. He's had a fantastic year. And if I could prescribe one thing for Jeremy Lamb, it would be to attach himself to Kemba as soon as the season is over. A heavy dose of –
0: take two Kembas. Call me in the morning.
1: But, Doug, that's what we talked about a little bit earlier and what we talked about at the beginning of this season. You know, Lamb was like, yeah, I think I'm this year going to – you know, I've learned how to take care of myself and and prepare a little better. I mean, he was an OKC for the first part of his career around a maniac like – um uh <laughs> Durant Durant and, West and Westbrook all right yeah um, you know and that's guys. what we're talking about when is it going to click for him um i think this this offseason is obviously big i think dave's right i mean trade bait uh, you know they're they're certainly talking about him whenever they can i would think um or you know looking at options but he's got to He's gotta show that he's willing to put in the work this offseason and, and, and hanging around Kimba. I mean, that's the that's the reason he's made the job. Kimba's just worked his butt off.
0: Here's a fun one from Patrick, longtime listener, longtime emailer, love Patrick. Patty says, Every time I hear the song Money Money, is that how you say it? Money yeah. <laughs> Money Money. Yeah. Money Money. By Billy Idol. I know the song. I just all right by Billy Idol it takes me back to my hornets days when I was a kid. is there a song that takes you back to those days David I'm gonna to defer to you. I didn't get a chance as a kid to get into a lot of those uh, games in the in the Coliseum uh, so a song that brings you back.
1: So that is probably the number one uh, Billy Idol. Uh, the other one for me is uh, Rock and Robin. There used to be this gentleman in a blazer that used to lose his mind. When uh, yes, Rock and Robin would play, and he would get the whole building going, and that was uh, that was a good. Uh, there's got to be some clips of this guy. I don't wonder YouTube what happened to that, guy. To find that. Uh, Well, I don't know. He was getting up there was, in age, oh, so no. I don't. We don't want to. No, just kidding. I don't. Well, know. We don't want to speculate.
0: Don't <laughs> we don't want to speculate. <laughs> I don't
1: know. This took a I dark guess. turn. Yeah.
0: Um. I I do have one song. Um. I, I think uh, Ace of Bass, I saw the sign not because it played in the oh, arena, but God. because. That was uh what I just um sang to myself to keep from crying when they lost the bucks in that uh painful seven game series. I was just oh. in, in my <clears throat> childhood bedrooms. <laughs> so saw my... <laughs> Wow,
1: this did take a dark turn
0: it was a sad it was a sad series. I really thought the hornets had a shot at an Eastern Conference championship.
1: They did but it's the all right.
0: Let's get back to happier topics, like hey, NCAA tournament bat. Unless you're, well, unless we're talking about your bracket, but NCAA tournament basketball is kicking back into gear tonight. We want to give you a few players to watch both on Thursday and Friday. David, first up, who you watching?
1: Mm. So, Doug, I got a couple of <laughs> take a, categories there. Just take a, just take a, just a long
0: hmm. sip of coffee there.
1: Let me let me tell you something. <laughs> let me loosen the pipes up here. So I've got a group of point guards because, as you mentioned, you know they may be looking to add another point guard in here at least to give uh, some competition to Bree and some of the other guys they may have in camp. So some of the older point guards, Doug, um, the two guys from Kansas, Devonte Graham, Frank Mason Jr. I mean, Mason probably going to be the player of the year, right? And then the kid from Gonzaga, Nigel Williams-Goss, Gas. We sure know our college basketball FIBA? here. FIBA? FIBA? <laughs> Goss. Nigel Williams Goss. And then your boy Joel Berry. I mean, he's not really getting a lot of, uh, of pub, but I mean... Because he's been injured. Because um, he's been injured. And this is the time of year where, you know, for a couple of these guys make a run, uh, can maybe generate some interest. Uh, veteran point guards, you know, I think those guys are interesting. Uh, most of those guys are a little undersized, though, is the only thing. So I don't know what kind of contributions they can make. But yeah. you always got to look for point guards, especially in the tournament, right? They're so key. So some of these guys are going to make some noise over the next two weekends. You Are you – I mean, obviously I think we're familiar with Barry, but have you watched any of the other three guys?
0: Not really. But, yeah. uh, you know, I do my scouting after the tournament. I, I peek in on a few guys. Here, here's a couple of guys that I'm peeking in on right now. Gonzaga versus West Virginia Thursday uh, to, or tonight uh, seven foot freshman center Zach Collins. He's moving up draft boards right now. Seven blocks in two tournament games. Has a nose for the ball. He's got some. He's got a little Porzingis in his game and a little Porzingis in his body. But he's a tall, skinny seven footer with a shooting touch. So that's scary. Uh, the uh, Hornets uh, fans would kill the Hornets for uh, drafting a tall, skinny seven footer with a shooting touch. Also. South Carolina versus Baylor on Friday at 7.30. Sindarius Thornwell getting a lot of comments about South Carolina's Sindarius Thornwell, SEC Player of the Year. He dropped 29 on Marquette, had 11 boards, 3 steals, got 24 on Duke. He's tough as nails. He's got the perfect NBA body type for his position. Could he be the 3 and D guy they've been looking for? Well, he's a senior that's playing well in the tournament. We know how much uh, the Hornets love that. And I, yeah. But I think the Hornets would get killed if they picked a, a senior that's playing well in the tournament. Okay, okay. So how about Justin Jackson, UNC Butler, Friday at seven o'clock p.m. Uh, you know, it's all been about Justin Jackson's three-point shooting, those improvements. Um, but is that an aberration? Can it translate to the NBA game? Don't know. But what we do know is that if the Hornets pick someone from UNC, they would get oh my killed. God. For picking someone from UNC, <laughs> so all three of my guys that I'm watching, uh, I think the Hornets would get uh, decimated for taking. But they, you know, I you know, look, I
1: feel we'll like the Hornets
0: it. are in a no win situation. Who they're, who can nah, the Hornets right. draft that
1: That's they would they not get killed for drafting? That's why they traded it last year. They're just like, <laughs> like
0: can, damned if we do,
1: uh, we all, can't take it again. In all uh-huh. seriousness,
0: here's a guy I know you like too, and, and you can talk about this guy, Caleb Swanigan. Yeah. from Purdue. Just a big dude. Got a an Elton Brand type body. Just a real big dude. And, and I like what I see out of him. Brandon Bass, also a good NBA player comp.
1: Yeah, so in my Power Forward uh, grouping, that was Caleb Swanigan, Devin Robinson from uh, Florida, and then uh, DJ Wilson, this kid from Michigan. Michigan's kind of on a little magical run here in the tourney. And Jonathan oh, Motley Jr., from Baylor, all, um, I think Swanigan's a sophomore, but I think all the other guys are upperclassmen. So some guys to watch out for that could be around. I try to pick, you know, say guys that, you know, these are not going to be lotto guys, maybe second rounders. Um, so who knows, but, uh, if, if the Hornets are kind of interesting,
0: if the Hornets, and the reason I bring up Swanigan, and I mm-hmm. want to make this point very clear, if the Hornets decide to take a big and not a wing defender or a three and D guy, if they decide to go big again in the draft no more seven-footers. I'm drawing the line. Yeah. let's. I want yeah. I want a guy under seven feet who has some beef, who has and some meat guys. on his bones. I'm talking like Caleb Swanigan, 6'8", like yep. 700 pounds, but it's all muscle, and he just throws it around. He's still got that agility, that quickness. That's what I want to see if they go big again. Somebody that can be physical, can be tough, can throw their body around in the paint. And, you know, having a nice wingspan, sure, fine, whatever, I just want some. I want some solidity
1: beef, physicality, Doug. Right? They can run and jump and maybe knock in some guys. They're, they're they're just missing that right now. So I would like to preface. Well, I can't preface this now because we already talked about it, Doug. But uh, <laughs> I these are preface guys. That, the
0: preface to <laughs> preface.
1: These are guys that we're watching. Uh, I'm in no way co-signing any of these guys. I clearly don't know anything about them, <laughs> but I think they're all of interest, right? And and so. Watching these games, it's fun to kind of sit there and say, "Now, could that guy Bam, be someone?" Uh, to make it another
0: add? one, Bam Adebayo from uh, Kentucky. Again, there he's a lot of raw skill. Not mm. going to be a very good offensive player from the jump. But I think what's important to understand is that you know a lot of these guys that the Hornets will be looking at come draft time. They've got a lot of veteran signed, so this guy is going to be a you know they they can afford to take a flyer on a development project. I think you just have to add. Um, qualities that you don't have on the team or don't have a lot of, and I think that's physicality. I think mm-hmm. that's toughness. And if they can, if one of those guys fits the bill, if an Autobio or a Swanigan or someone else fits that bill, then then go out and find that player type, and don't necessarily worry about the statistics. Don't necessarily worry about uh, what the the ceiling or the roof <laughs> or whatever. There uh, just, just go out and find those particular qualities. Okay.
1: Hey, hey. Yeah. Last thing, Doug. If 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 they're just going to draft, uh, if it's just going to be you know a um, a, a rule to follow, I think if there is a Kentucky guy, there, just just him. I mean, uh, you know, it could turn out bad, sure, but I mean, the track record for Kentucky guys, no matter where they're drafted, is pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, had they had they applied that with Devin Booker, I can't. I think exactly. it could have been. It. it uh, you, you know, you never know what would have happened, but. Yeah, they, they've played well. That's for sure. All right, that's all the time we have on this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's how hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. And uh, be like, be like Patty. Be like Dave. Super Dave. Send us your questions, your thoughts. To uh, go to LockedOnHornets.com, click the contact page. You can email us there, of course. You can always tweet us your thoughts at Locked On Hornets. We're back again tomorrow with a full preview of this very, very important home game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, lockedonhornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.